And hello and welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Jake Novak. And again, you can follow me on Twitter for all the latest news, minute by minute. At JakeJakeNY is my Twitter handle. The at symbol, Jake, J-A-K-E, twice, JakeJakeNY, at JakeJakeNY. And that's how you can follow follow the news minute by minute. Um, we're still 100% focused on coronavirus, and all the stories that we'll be talking about will be either that story or stories that are very closely connected to it and, and results of it. Uh, as I speak to you now, we are into that. I think we're getting very, very close to the, the crossing point, the, the, the convergence of two graphs, two lines that I want you to try to imagine in your head. If you're not a math major or a math person, just think of those kinds of graphs where the lines go up, you know, where a line goes up you know, sometimes like diagonally or sometimes up and down. Right now, we're at that crossing point. There are two lines. There is one line that represents the dwindling amount of patience that people have for our national lockdown here in the United States, and I would say in Israel as well, although I'll, I'll discuss a little bit more about Israel in a second. But as our patience starts to wear thinner, I think that there's a line that goes up for how, much, how frustrated people are getting with lockdowns. And as a parent with two school-age kids, I can tell you that it's really rough. It's really rough on everybody. I think people who are quarantining with kids, as much as they say loneliness leads to depression and things like that, my kids are not driving me crazy. I'm not saying that, but they are in a great agony not being able to go to school. I know, hey, when I was their age, I would have loved to have been out from school for a few days, but this indefinite, when are you going to get back to school, what are your requirements as a a kid going to be? is really rough for them, and, and not being with their friends is, is really rough because that's something that, it's not like they're out of school and they can go out and play with their friends. That's not happening. So that's one line that's moving up. And another line that's moving up are the number of reports and, and, and the amount of evidence that shows that this drug for malaria that's been around forever and has been generic forever, so no one's going to make a lot of money off of this thing, uh, is showing tremendous promise in treating people with coronavirus. There are other treatments that I'm also hearing about as well. H- treatments for HIV, AIDS, apparently intravenous treatments for, 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 that, for that ailment, <laughs> that deadly ailment is also working. There are, wor- there are treatments against lupus that are working. There are a number of treatments that are working. So I'm going to throw that all in, not just the malaria drug, but the malaria drug to me is the most promising because there's so much of it. It's been available in the world for many, many, many decades, and it's basically cheap. It's basically free almost. But let's throw in all the, as we hear more and more stories, and, and, and I wouldn't even want to use the, story, the word story, just more and more evidence that these drugs are working and effective in helping people fight and become cured, not vaccinated, but cured against coronavirus. That number is rising as well. So our patients is going one way, the number of stories about and, and evidence of, of drugs that, are, that can help us is going another. And as those things, and, and I think we're hitting that convergence point right now. Now we're hitting that point where both of those lines are intersecting. We're having that intersection point right now. They're crossing. Because as the number of stories and evidence that there are drugs that are effective in curing coronavirus goes up, that will accelerate the lack of patience 
or that will decrease the patience, however you want to talk about it, that will decrease the amount of patience people have for this lockdown, not only from the physical aspect, the fact that you can't leave your house or go out to restaurants or go to a movie or do things like that, but we can't work. And the economy is bleeding fast, not just in the United States, but all over the world. So that, I think we're hitting that intersection really right now, actually. But even if, we are, even if we're a few days from that, at some point, the amount of patients will be a lot lower, a lot lower than the number of evi- stories and, and, and the amount of evidence that shows that there are some drugs that work. What am I getting at here? Look, I am not telling anyone to disregard the health experts' orders and even our politicians at this point, their orders to tell people to stay inside, to do the social distancing, don't go to work if you're here in, in where I am in the New York area or in many other parts of this country where they're telling you to do that. I am not, not, underline not, contradicting the medical experts and the experts here at this point. What I am saying is, at some point, and I think that point is coming within days now. I think it's less than a week away or at the most a week away. We are at a point, we will be at a point where people will no longer comply with those orders because of the rise of two things. The rise in the number of pieces of evidence that show that there are drugs that are working to cure this virus, the coronavirus, COVID-19, Chinese virus, Wuhan virus, whatever you want to call it. It does not matter. It really does not but as the number of those stories and evidence rises of those things, the patience that people will have to stay inside and to lose money and to be isolated will drop exponentially, just like we talk about exponential growth in the spread of the disease. And I think that they have about, I think that the, and what I want to say are two things. First is, again, not telling anyone to break any of these rules. Don't do that. I am not a healthcare professional. And if the healthcare professionals are saying to stay inside and do the social distancing thing for now, follow those rules. But here's what I can predict. If we continue to have growth in in evidence that these drugs work, that patience for listening to the health experts nationwide will start to really diminish fast. And by this time next week, you will have people who will start to openly flout those recommendations unless they are changed. And so I think that the healthcare professionals and the politicians now have to race against the clock to do a good job of confirming this evidence that the drugs are working or disproving one way or the other, making sure that that drug is widely available. And I'll talk about that in a moment because there are some very interesting developments, particularly from Israel on that score. And... They need to do that quickly because I don't think that the people in this country will remain indoors for much longer. Small businesses will start to open again because they cannot survive otherwise. People will start to give up on just staying indoors all the time because they're going to have to go out just for their own mental health. Now, the number one response I get when I've been saying this, and I, so I've been saying this again, this is why you have to follow me on Twitter, at JakeJakeNY is my Twitter handle, at JakeJakeNY. I've been saying this for several days now, that no matter how serious the warnings are, about a week from now, people will start to disregard those warnings and start to violate any lockdown or quarantine orders. This, these people who are saying this has, to ha- this, this has to continue for eight more weeks, good luck, not going to work. The economy can't withstand it. Our mental health can't withstand it. 
And I'm not saying that they're wrong from a healthcare standpoint yet. I'm not saying, oh, here's Dr. Jake Novick because I'm not a doctor and I'm not playing one on the radio. And I'm not doing a, a health podcast. I am not an expert on that. I'm just saying, I make, but I am much more of a documentarian and a historian of human nature. And I can tell you that as long as these stories and evidence comes out that there are some drugs that can cure this thing, and they're pretty widely available, by the way, still, I understand that there are some shortages, but again, I will get to some interesting and exciting news on that score in just a moment. But as those stories rise, the already thin patience that people are having, especially families with, with children, is going to start to hit a boiling point and just go away. There will be no patience. Now, the number one response I get from people when, I, when I've been saying this, and again, I've been saying it since last week, is, oh no, the police and the National Guard are going to be mobilized to enforce these quarantines, and they will come with tanks, and they will come with mounted guns, and they will do whatever it is it takes to keep people indoors. Folks, I don't think you understand the people who are in our armed forces and are in our police force. They're under the same strains as well. And I dare say that not one National Guardsman and one police o- or one police officer will shoot or use brute force to keep somebody quarantined a week or 10 days from now when, if they're not committing some other crime. Look, someone's out there looting. If someone is breaking their quarantine to go out and loot or to commit other serious crimes, yes, they will be hit with, br- with brute force from our police or National Guard. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are going out, maybe opening up a business, tar- turn- opening a restaurant, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying they won't get hit with fines or won't get it with other legal action down the road. But for those of you who are old enough to remember Kent State when you had the nas- very young National Guard troops who got nervous during a raucous protest at Kent State University in the Akron area of Cleveland in 1970 and four kids were, were shot, killed by nervous and put upon National Guardsmen, folks, that's not going to happen again. And it's certainly not going to happen every day in this country. And it's certainly not going to happen to respond to people who will have at least some justification in breaking quarantine orders. And again, I'm not talking about these spring breakers. I mean, this is the, these are these red herring type stories. I understand that there were hundreds and maybe even a thousand or so college kids who were not too smart who went and just completely broke all the social distancing rules in Florida over spring break last week. And now some of them have corona. I, apparently... They're saying that five of them have that, which is a miracle if it stays around that number, considering what we saw. I'm not talking about that. The National Guard will be happy to clear those kids out, not by shooting them, but by maybe using some riot gear and getting them, if we see more of that. But I don't think we're going to see more of that now. Because the companies that arrange these trips aren't going to arrange more. They, 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 they basically decided to go, because I, I know from, from experience, a friend of mine told me that his kids were not going to get their refund, and he was smart. He was able to prevail upon his kids not to go on the, the spring break trip that they had planned, but there's no refund for them, and they probably won't get one. But there's not going to be more trips that are going to be booked, new trips that are going to be booked. If there's been booked in the past, you, know, you probably won't get a refund. I think it's going to be very hard to get a, a flight out of an airport to go. So I don't think we're going to see repeat, repeats of what we saw in Florida. Not because the kids got smarter suddenly, although some of them probably did, especially the ones who got sick. So that's not, it's not, I just don't think we're going to see it happen again because good luck getting a flight out of an airport for something like this. I mean, that, that now is now in effect and it's not going to work. Now they might all load into a car and try to go somewhere, but the beaches are getting closed as well. So folks, I don't think we're going to see a, a, a large numbers or even more than a handful of numbers of instances like this anymore. 
So, yes, the, the police would use some level of force to break something like that up again if it does happen, and I don't think it will. But as far as people going outside, trying to get back to work, reopening offices and stuff, we're not going to have uh, – the National Guard is not – and I'm not saying that this is a mutinous National Guard out there. It's just – it's not something that the United States military or the National Guard or our police forces are trained to do. Uh, it's something that they will be extremely reluctant to do. And in fact, I had one friend who told me he doesn't even think the National Guard would load their weapons going out on an, on an assignment to disperse crowds or things like that or to get people out of their offices. He doesn't think they would even do that. And I think that there's some truth to that. So anyway, we are reaching that breaking point and our politicians and our health officials need to be focusing on this very, very carefully now because there's a limit to how much authority they're going to have there, there, there's listen there is an expiration date on this there is an expiration date on this this cannot last the economy cannot withstand it we are now at a point where even president trump and this was to me a very encouraging tweet i know a lot obviously that the president's usual detractors are going nuts about this but last night president trump said we can't have a situation where the cure is worse than a disease and folks if we have 30 percent unemployment for any period of time in this country more than a couple of weeks then the cure will be worse than the disease 30 percent unemployment will cause death in this country i'm not going to put a number on it but it will cause death it will so i mean i i i didn't mean to go straight to death there i'm sorry that i had to do that but when the counter argument is, well, if we don't keep the economy shut down indefinitely, indefinitely for 16 weeks or more, then we're going to have death. And I have to say, well, shutting it down for 16 weeks or more will also cause death and probably more. So I, I have to sort of I hate to use the term fight fire with fire there, but that I have to sort of argue in kind. I think that that's a better way to put it, a more diplomatic way to put it. We can't do that in this country. Now, another point I've made that I want to focus on right now is that Yes, fear is a huge motivator in why people are following the rules for now. But folks, it's not just about fear. Here's something that I really want all of us to remember. If you remember one thing from this edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network, please let it be this. America is a very compassionate country. We learn that every time there's a natural disaster, either here in the U.S. or even in far-off places like Thailand... We give massive amounts of charity when there are natural disasters or other kinds of disasters. We care deeply about our fellow Americans, even if we don't always show it. And you may have heard me say this or seen me write this in the past, and I know it's, it's a Christmas movie, quote, Christmas movie, although I think it's really unfair to label it that way. If you, one of the greatest American films that really understood the psyche of America, both in the 1940s and even today, even today, how many things are still true about the American psyche from the 1940s today? I think this is still one of them. The, the movie It's a Wonderful Life is a great example of that. Because as much as we're worried about our financial situation and how we do in our careers and success, 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 and this is a capitalist country, yada, 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 the fact is that when times of crisis come, we really are there for each other in this country as long as it's clear. All we need to know is that someone's in need. When people suffer alone in this country, it's because most likely because no one else knows. When we know that there's suffering, we know that there's widespread suffering, we do step up for each other in this country and for others as well who are suffering. And so I never want to hear people like Senator Bernie Sanders who makes a big point of saying how America is not a compassionate country. I never want to hear that again after this because a big reason, yes, is fear. 
Big reason why we're complying with this is fear, but a big reason is also because we care about those who are susceptible to this disease, particularly the elderly. And yes, I know that there are a lot of young people who have come down with this disease, but we have not seen death in young people yet, thank God. So basically, you can still get coronavirus no matter how old you are, but the likelihood of you dying and having a long-term problem with this or not having a full recovery is obviously really only with the elderly, still. I shouldn't say only, primarily with the elderly, okay? And Americans care about older people. We care about all people. And a good reason why a lot of us are following these rules, a good reason why I'm not dropping in on my in-laws right now, my parents are pretty far away, so I don't drop in on them regularly anyway, but a big reason why I'm not dropping in and, and, and hanging out and, 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 and getting in the face of, of, of my 70-plus-year-old friends, and I've got a number of them, is because I care about them. And I'm staying indoors as much as I can because I don't want to spread the, the disease to them. I feel pretty confident, God forbid, that if I had came into contact with this, that I would come out fine. I don't know about people who are older. So this is a compassionate moment for America right now. And we should never forget that. And anyone from now on who says that America isn't a compassionate country can really, should really just be quiet. This reminds me tremendously of, of the response that we had in New York City after the 9-11 attacks. And there were so many cases of New Yorkers who were just going out of their way to help each other. And in some cases, risking their lives. I had a, there was a volunteer fire, fire, firefighter in my newsroom. Back at, on 9-11, I was working at CNN. And there was a volunteer fire, firefighter who had plenty to do at CNN, believe me. He had plenty of work to do, but he just left and went into the towers. And thank God he came out fine. But there were so many stories that, like that that I remember. And I remember somebody else saying, it wasn't me at the time, saying, I never want to hear anything about New Yorkers aren't nice anymore. New Yorkers don't care. And, and I, I thought to myself, yeah, neither do I. I don't want to hear any more about that nonsense. So this time, too, I don't want to hear any more about this nonsense. We are taking an abundance of caution and paying a tremendous economic price right now to protect the most vulnerable people in our society, not just ourselves. And for people who keep pushing back on me saying, oh, young people can get it, young people can get it. Yes, but young people are not likely to die or have a permanent health issue because of this. We are doing this because of the young people who have respiratory problems who are susceptible to this and to elderly people. We are doing it to protect them. And that's, that's a huge reason for this. And compassion is a part of it. And if you don't want to praise your fellow Americans for doing that, then, then just please keep, keep your negativity to yourself. Because we are doing quite a bit here. This is a mitzvah that's being done. Now, if the cure, however, and, and quote cure, if, if the locking down of our economy becomes more harmful and leads to more death and more pain, then we have to decide when we stop this. And President Trump tweeting last night that after the 15-day period, which I guess is seven or eight days, he, he's on the same timeline I am. I think we're about seven or eight days away from the expiration date for this, from a national psyche point of view. And if we see that we have better evidence that we have drugs that will help cure this and that we've slowed the spread and we've avoided the massive amounts of death that have, so many people have predicted, then yes, we're not going to, to be able to continue this because the cure will, the quote cure, the, 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 the recipe, the prescription to stop the spread will be more harmful than if everyone gets the disease. And again, I, I must emphasize again, I am not telling people to flout and to disregard medical orders. I still think that people should stay inside if they can stay inside at this point. But right now, we have to also think about how much longer we can all continue this way.
And we also have to be very careful to take a look at the people who are not really focusing on that deadline and what they need to do in between now and what I think, again, this is a deadline that I think is a psychological one, but it's, it's extremely real. It's extremely real because we cannot continue this way as a nation for much longer. The economy is a big reason why, but, there's also, but there are also other reasons like isolation. People are going to have huge problems continuing being in this type of isolation, even if they have somebody with them. In fact, in some cases, having somebody with them will make it worse because people will get on each other's nerves. I'm not trying to make light of this, but this is, this is the case right now. Now, I want to get back to talking about the drugs and the cures because this is something that I think should be basically 90% of our focus right now. I understand we need to spend some time talking about how we go about the quarantines and, and what the, 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 uh, the public health safety prophylactic measure uh, announcements are. Okay, I, I, I'm not saying we, we only have to be talking about the, the science of what drugs are working and not working. But that should still be about 90% or at least the majority of what we're talking about in America right now. But I'm not seeing enough of it. If you don't believe me, go ahead and Google some of these malaria drugs, and you'll see, yes, there's plenty of stories about them, but they're not lead stories. They're not being promoted by the major mainstream news media organizations. Right now, the top news story I see about the the leading malaria drug that is showing such promise is a two-day-old story from Forbes. And no, no offense to Forbes, but Forbes is not a leading mainstream news media outlet. I'm talking about the New York Times. I'm talking about ABC News, NBC News, Fox News. These should be the top stories. This, this should be the top story for every mainstream news media organization. And I'm not saying they have to cheerlead it. I'm not saying they should say, oh, look at all this great news and then not be uh, inquisitive, more inquisitive about it. There are stories. You know, listen, we know there are stories of people who have been injured by this drug, even though it's been around for decades and decades and decades. We know that there are some people who are allergic to this drug, and that should be something that people are reminded of. So not everyone just goes, runs out, and starts taking this drug as like some kind of preventive measure. But the encouraging news about the, this, these particular malaria drugs and other things need to be the main focus right now for the American and global news media, period. To that end, I tweeted about this, and wrote about it in my daily morning business update on Friday that Teva Pharmaceuticals, the Israeli mostly generic drug company, has promised to deliver 10 million tablets of this malaria drug to the United States by the end of this month to American hospitals. That's going to go a long way, 10 million of those tablets. Okay, We don't even have, what, 30,000 people confirmed with this virus right now. Now, it may go up to a million. It may go up to a few million. Ten million tablets to, to treat what we know now is only tens of thousands of people. That's pretty good. And that's from one company. We need to get more companies to do this. We need to stock up more on this drug. You know, and I have an open question. Are we not reporting about this positive, the positive results of this drug because out of some kind of abundance of caution, are we so worried... Well, that would be a strong argument if these same news media outlets weren't stoking fear and sensationalizing every aspect of the coronavirus for weeks now. Okay? They can't suddenly become circumspect and decide, well, we're not going to talk too much about this drug because people might get the wrong idea. But we're, we're okay publishing stories about how millions will die. That's okay. I mean, you see what I'm saying here, right? That this is an outrageous kind of, uh, of, of logic. It's not logic at all. 
It's an oxymoronic, moronic thing to do. <laughs> this is not what we should be doing. We should be focusing on this drug. Now, is the reason why we're not doing that because we want to continue stoking fear? You've heard me say here on Novak Now many times, been in the news media business for 25 years, folks, 26 years to be exact, actually. And the number one bias of the many biases we have in, new, in this business is the bias towards negative news and fear-mongering. That is even greater than the liberal bias. That is even greater than the New York, Washington, Los Angeles geographic bias. These are powerful biases that permeate almost every aspect of the news business. But the, but the bias in favor of negative stories, sensationalizing and, and fear-mongering stories, is the strongest. And if the reason why we're not focusing more on the pros and, and also cons of this malaria drug if the reason is because of that bias, then that needs to stop right now. Time to, if, if anything, this should be the time when we get off of this more than a century-long bias loop that we've been on in favor of negative stories. And another reason is partisan. Yeah, yeah The other bias is, is, yeah, liberal bias. Because President Trump has been touting this drug. If, if, you're, if the hatred of President Trump in the, in the general news media is so strong that they've decided to ignore a drug that might save, as they, you know, by their own math, millions of lives, then we're dealing with more than just hatred now. We're dealing with a very, very dangerous trend that has to stop. That has to stop. And until it does, you're going to have a bad situation where, look, like I said, there will be some people who are allergic to this drug who might take the drug, but because there wasn't enough coverage of it, positive and or negative people will get sick who otherwise didn't have to be. This should be the focus now. And again, I include the other drugs as well. I understand there's a particular HIV drug that taken intravenously works very well against this. There's an anti-lupus drug. There are other drugs. It doesn't just have to be the one that the president is touting. But the focus on what actually cures this disease should be the focus, the number one focus. Unless, God forbid, you have a massive amount of death at some point somewhere and you have to report that for a moment and get that out there as your top story for a while. But then you need to get back to what can be done to fix this. Because if you don't, there are two things that are going to happen. There are going to be people who will abuse the drug. There will be people who will hoard the drug. And there will be people who will no longer ever trust what the news media ever says. Not that that's a really growing number. I mean, that's already a dwindling number as every poll and survey shows us. But if there's a cure out there that works for 95% of people and only harms folks who are allergic to it or only harms people who are taking it in too large a dose or taking tainted dosages, the whole thing, then that story needs to be out there and needs to be out there now, all the time. And if there's a medical expert who has a real issue with this and has tested it, then let him or her come forward now. But they also need to say it in the context of, of, of how dangerous it is. If this is something that's dangerous for 5% of the folks who have coronavirus, then let them say, okay, we need to start giving it to everyone else now and producing more. Of course, as somebody told me, a friend of mine told me, uh, the, the, the likely narrative in this country, if this drug continues to show promise, is it'll go from Trump was giving us false hope about a drug. That, that's the complaint now in the news media, it'll change to, oh, why didn't Trump have more of these tablets and these medicines ready weeks and weeks and weeks ago? That'll be the quick, the complaint against Trump will, will, will quickly morph from one to the next. But again, the good news from Israel is that Teva, the Israeli company, is, is going to send 10 million of these tablets by the end of this month. I hope that that comes even faster than they predict. 
And, and this, is, this must, must happen. We've got to get this cure out to people. If it is a cure, and if it isn't a cure, we need to make sure that there's some more information about it and find out why it's a cure for some people and not others. That's the focus right now. I'm Jake Novak. Everyone stay healthy. I'll speak to you again next week.